2: It's Wednesday, June 24th. I'm Akila Hughes.
1: And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What? A Day where we are updating our whiteboard to say it's been zero days since we had a no drama primary.
2: Yeah, it's honestly just like the CW shows. Like, primaries are just like Riverdale.
1: They are. I have no other references for that, but I'll just say it seems like (laughs) Jughead. On today's show, we hear from a meat plant worker in South Dakota about going back to work after a COVID-19 outbreak there, then some headlines.
2: But first, the latest.
3: Plan A, don't go in a crowd. Plan B, if you do, make sure you wear a mask.
2: Dr. Fauci. Remember our old friend, you know, the nation's top infectious disease expert? Right. So yesterday, he testified to Congress along with other top health officials. He said the U.S. is experiencing a, quote, disturbing surge of infections after states reopened too quickly and without legit plans for testing and contact tracing. And called the situation in the U.S. a, quote, mixed bag with areas like New York doing well while infections spike in other states. He also reiterated that the next two weeks are going to be critical in stopping the spread in places like Florida, Texas, and Arizona, where Trump had that rally yesterday.
1: Good God almighty. And in Texas last night, Governor Abbott told people in his state that the safest place to be is at home. That comes after another record-setting day of new cases and hospitalizations there. But he didn't impose any new lockdown or statewide mask mandates, so murky stuff. (laughs) Um, Anything else from Fauci, though?
2: Yeah, just two quick things. So he and other public health officials said that despite what the White House says, Trump has not told them to slow down testing and that they will not do so. On vaccines, Fauci remained cautiously optimistic, as he's been all along. He said it's a question of when, not if. Thank goodness. Uh, But for the time being, things are so bleak here that reporting suggests the EU might continue restricting travel from the U.S. even as they open up their borders to travelers from other parts of the world in July. So we're number one (laughs) in contagious disease and mostly being unwanted.
1: Also lumped (laughs) in with Brazil and Russia in these restrictions potentially. So Mm -hmm. good stuff. And a final decision from the EU on reopening borders is expected next week.
2: All right, so let's take a moment today to zero in on COVID-19 and meatpacking plants. We heard a lot about outbreaks of the virus at these facilities a couple months ago, but the story has since fallen out of the news cycle. But Gideon, you've been looking into this, so where do things stand?
1: Yeah, so as of now, there's an estimated 25,000-plus cases that are tied to these facilities in the U.S. where workers are in close quarters day-to-day doing physical, difficult work in enclosed spaces where the virus can spread more easily. Now, that's according to the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting, and that number includes people with whom workers have interacted as well, like family, for instance. And as various outbreaks spread in March and April, with workers having little to no personal protective equipment, many plants were forced to close. Then fast forward to the end of April, President Trump signed an executive order that sought to keep them open as critical infrastructure, having been influenced by some of the major companies that there could be a meat supply shortage.
2: Right. And we talked about this at the time. Uh, The CDC then put out guidance for the facilities to give workers masks and hand sanitizer, check temperatures. There was concern that the rules might not be enforceable or that Trump's executive order would make it harder to hold plants liable.
1: That's right. And there's recent reporting that while companies like Tyson, JBS and Smithfield Foods warned of possible meat shortages in the United States and raised prices as a result, they were also exporting a record amount of pork to China, and that's all while American workers were getting sick. That story is now the subject of an investigation by Democratic senators.
2: Wow. Well, I mean, good. <laughs> So plants aren't closing down as much since Trump's order, but cases tied to the plants have more than doubled since then. Other countries, like Germany, also have outbreaks at those kinds of facilities. So how are they dealing with them?
1: Yeah, we're getting a little bit of a window into that right now. There's this recent outbreak in Western Germany where some 1,500 workers have tested positive. In addition to closing down the plant, officials have now imposed a seven-day lockdown on two towns in the area. And it's the first lockdown since the country eased most restrictions last month. And now they're in this rush to test and trace and contain this. Uh, Germany had been credited with an efficient response to the outbreak overall, with nearly 200,000 cases resulting in less than 9,000 deaths. And they and other countries are trying to contain flare-ups like this to prevent a second wave of infections.
2: Yeah, it seems pretty different than what's happening here.
1: Yeah, to say the least. And we wanted to get a sense of what it's actually been like working in these plants in the U.S. over the last few months. I spoke with Sandra Siebert. She's worked at the Smithfield Foods Pork Processing Plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for 15 years. She's a butcher and a union steward with the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Her plant was the site of one of the first big clusters of COVID-19 earlier this year. It's a massive eight-story building with over 3,000 workers. And she said initially they weren't provided with masks and protective equipment, and then people started getting sick. And by the beginning of April, she herself got sick.
0: Uh, Very bad experience. I started getting sick in line. Um, I start feeling my head like a fever. I'm feeling like uh, somebody, somebody put pressure on my chest. So I go back to my department and I told the supervisor, I don't feel good. Can you find somebody, uh, cover, covering my, my place to my job? And then he say, um, 38 people go home. He say, we don't have no people. 38 people go home. He say, I don't promise you nothing.
1: Yeah, and after almost passing out, she was able to get off work that day and go home to quarantine. About a week later, the plant closed down for a couple of weeks, and over 600 cases were tied to it by that point.
2: And this is all happening in South Dakota, which was one of the states where the governor refused to impose a statewide lockdown earlier this year.
1: Right, and since then, the plant has reopened following guidelines from the CDC on things like masks, hand sanitizing stations, putting up plexiglass shields, and more. But when I spoke to Sandra in May after she returned to work, she said she still didn't feel safe, especially in shared spaces like the break rooms and cafeteria, where people don't always follow precautions or simply can't because they need to take off their masks to eat.
2: And people, the supervisors don't enforce the rules. We are supposed to be wearing masks and shields, but a lot of the times it's the supervisors that are breaking the rules.
1: Right, and she said there needs to be more training then for supervisors on safety and more visits from CDC officials. And she also told me that the plant started to up its safety measures only after a visit from the CDC in April.
2: For me, As an essential worker, it's like the hospital. I feel like I'm going into the hospital when I'm going to work because we have to put on a mask and we have these extra precautions. It's nice to feel like an essential worker in some respects, but that doesn't mean that an essential worker should risk their life. It's like being in the line of fire. You don't know if you're going to come home healthy or come home sick. It's like going to war.
0: That's how I feel. Like I'm in a war.
2: Just devastating.
1: Yeah. And even though the plant is continuing to operate, many workers are now out on long-term leave because they are high risk for COVID. Others are sick and some have left their jobs. And according to the union, about a third of workers are now absent from the facility. Smithfield says it will continue paying employees who are quarantined for COVID-19 and is offering a paid leave benefit for high-risk workers that cannot come to work. But according to the union, all other time-off requests are being denied. Sandra is still working, and she said she feels like it's her responsibility to stay and stand up for her colleagues. And that is the latest we have for now. Thanks to producers Sonia Tun and Elisa Gutierrez for their help on this important story.
2: It's Wednesday, Wad Squad, and today we are checking our temps by talking about some classic movies. The National Box Office last week looked like a list of Steven Spielberg's greatest hits. You know, Jurassic Park was at number one and Jaws was at number two, bringing in about a half million each. Almost all these sales were happening at drive-in theaters, which are excellent places to watch dinosaur and or shark-themed movies. (laughs) So, Giddy, have you been to a drive-in and what makes the perfect drive-in movie?
1: answer the first half of this question. I have not been to a drive-in.
2: I mean, I'm shook, man. Ever?
1: Ever. Uh, Not that I can remember. I've been to the... This is not the same thing, but it has a similar like childhood vibe to me. Those like dollar theaters where they play movies from you know...
2: I mean, yeah, I guess. (laughs) It's still a movie theater. It's It's just cheaper. It's still
1: a movie theater. That's correct. Uh, But the perfect drive-in movie, yeah, there's a reason why I feel like people are vibing to these ones. You know, like, you've probably seen it. Uh, There are some thrills and scares you might splash some popcorn when the t-rex is stomping towards you that's the kind of thing i feel like that you know you don't have to pay like tons of attention to but you also want to have those like jump scares and cool moments
2: yeah like i think you're spot on like the safety that you would feel in a theater like you could reassure yourself like this is fake like it kind of melts away when you're like outside and Mm -hmm. you're watching a movie about dinosaurs outside you're like oh okay (laughs) it's actually kind of terrifying so i feel that i think that that's right and like you know, it's it seems old-timey, so it's like a nostalgic thing anyway. You might as well watch a movie you've already seen before.
1: Yeah. I mean, life finds a way, and is life going to find a way to your car and kill <laughs> oh. you is the question. Um, I hope so. But besides these, what what kind of movies are you thinking about at, at drive-ins? What's, what's, like, the go-to gotta-see-it there?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I will say I have been to a drive-in movie theater before – I like used to go all the time when I was a little kid, but I remember that the time that like sticks out the most in my memory is a double feature of Big Daddy, and. Um Inspector Gadget (laughs) and it was a great high low like Mm. they had Inspector Gadget first hoping the kids would go to sleep so then the adults could enjoy Big Daddy but of course that's not how kids work in the summer No, and so none of us paid attention (laughs) to Inspector Gadget we were just like running around outside with each other and then we all watched Big Daddy Uh, and it's great It it was really wonderful so I think that that's like the kind of experience. If you're gonna see a double feature, you gotta go high low. One has to be like serious or adult or romantic or whatever, and then the other one has to be like a come down from that mood. So you know, just like a good yin yang.
1: Yeah, it's like you gotta do Schindler's list and you don't mess with the Zohan as just like Oh my god
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most I would
2: I can't imagine seeing Schindler's list <laughs> and Like that should be illegal. It is
1: it, it it should be illegal and hopefully we can get an ordinance passed to make it illegal.
2: That's right. Okay, movie buffs. Just like that. We've checked our temps. We'll check in with you all again tomorrow, and we will see you at the movies.
0: What a Day is brought to you by Alta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Alta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach & Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty stores and Ulta.com.
2: Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Today, a federal prosecutor will tell House lawmakers that Justice Department officials politicized the criminal trial of Roger Stone, Trump's friend, advisor, and fellow cartoon bad guy. (laughs) Aaron Zelensky formerly served on special counsel Robert Mueller's team, which prosecuted Stone for witness tampering, lying and a whole lot more earlier this year. He and the rest of the legal team quit the case in February after the Justice Department said it planned to reduce Stone's recommended sentence. In a letter, Zelensky said his team was told to treat Stone, quote, differently and more leniently because of his friendship with Trump. Mm. Zelensky is just one of two Justice Department employees expected to testify against Attorney General William Barr's politically motivated court motion.
1: You know, Roger Stone just never goes away. He's just always (laughs) around. Uh, Mm -hmm. Seattle's mayor announced that the city will begin dismantling an area known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ. The tiny community occupied six blocks around an abandoned police precinct and was built following protests against the police killing of George Floyd. For most of its existence, CHAZ was home to community teach-ins and free food. But earlier this week, two shootings were reported near the zone, one resulting in the death of a 19-year-old. Now, it's not clear whether or not the shootings were related to the protests, but Mayor Jenny Durkin says peaceful protests will still be allowed in Chaz, but police would be returning to their precinct building. That's a disappointment to many community members who hoped that the building would be repurposed.
2: Celebrities continue to say sorry for doing (laughs) blackface. Yesterday, Jimmy Kimmel apologized for darkening his skin to play basketball player Carl Malone in the 90s, and the day before that, 30 Rock creators Tina Fey and Robert Carlock asked streaming services to pull four episodes of their show that featured white actors playing black characters. Jimmy Fallon picked up on this trend way early. He apologized for wearing blackface (laughs) to play Chris Rock back in May. Guys, so glad you came around. You know, welcome to the right side of history, but... Honestly, I'm not sure the news cycle can handle the slow trickle of blackface apologies. (laughs) So here's my idea. We give celebrities 24 hours where they can say they did blackface. We can blow a big siren to remind them. It'll be like The Purge, but, you know, for white people just yelling at themselves. And if they don't do it, then the internet will find it and we won't stop being mad. Apologies, though, can be made in the form of TV deals for me and my friends.
1: I think this is a fair and honest proposal and I endorse it. As fair as I can be. (laughs) The world's number one men's tennis player, Novak Djokovic, has tested positive for coronavirus after hosting a tournament recently in southeastern Europe that basically laid out the welcome mat for COVID. It featured packed stadiums, little to no social distancing between players, plus a tennis tradition, organized outings to nightclubs where the pros all dance with their shirts off. Oh, God. Djokovic is a noted COVID skeptic. He's called for upcoming Grand Slam events to have full crowds and is openly opposed to vaccinations. Mm. What happened at his Audrey tour is COVID's official response to that attitude. Three other tennis pros so far got the virus, along with Djokovic's wife and two of his coaches. Djokovic said, quote, I am extremely sorry for each case of infection. I hope that it will not complicate anyone's health and that everyone will be fine. If we can find a way to inject this man's hope through IV, we might not even need a vaccine.
2: I'll just take the vaccine. It's for the best. And those are the headlines. Heads up. We're still watching and waiting for Tuesday's primary results to come in. So as we go to record, most races are still too close to call. We're going to have more on the results as they come in in the coming days.
1: That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, meet us at the drive-in and tell your friends to listen.
2: And if you're into reading and not just notes app apologies from celebs like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes.
1: I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and stay, stay tuned, tuned for the Roast of Bill Barr. Barr.
2: Mm-hmm. Looking like the baby from Dinosaurs. The, the weird robotic dinosaur show from the 90s.
1: It's just a fact and it needs to be talked about more. <laughs>
0: Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new quick Caribbean escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises Nothing comes close. Visit celebrity.com, call 1 800 Celebrity, or contact your travel advisor, Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador.